I'm Claire, um, one of the elders here, and um, I felt um, really, um, really excited about uh, sharing uh, this the sermon series about one from the heart because um, that's something that I'd been actually thinking about for quite some time. Um, because um, you know, recently turned sixty, <laughs> um, but I was a Christian when I when I was twenty. So I've been. Um, walking with the Lord for 40 years and so I've been thinking about well what's changed what's really happened across those 40 years what's really happened to my heart how am I how am I going so um, when this sermon series came up I thought ah beauty that's great (laughs) except I didn't expect to be the first person but anyway Um, all right so um also, I thought that, um, you know, as a church when we were studying Romans, that was really, really important because um, I think that, you know, I can remember as a, as a new Christian and, and my first study of Romans, how much I loved it and how, how much, um, so much of it just really gripped and shaped me and took a hold of me, especially, the, 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 you know, Romans 8 about there being no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Um, and yet over the years I've kind of taken a battering um, and, uh, and so, you know, just having a little bit of a pause to think about where you're going, where you're at with your heart is not a bad thing to do. So that's where I'm kind of at at the moment. Um, so I'm wanting to share with you um, a little personal story um, and I've called it, called it Our Hearts in His Hands um, because this was a story of when I was much younger um, of what happened. Uh, and I saw something quite amazing. But also I wanted to um, take you through a story in the gospel we just heard um, and just to see how, how the Lord Jesus is uh, really wonderful at holding our hearts in his hands. Um, we know that the heart's really important to God. Um, I, uh, Mark encouraged me to have a look at the Bible Gateway app and just Google or put in the search and to see... Um, how many references to the word heart there were and just have a look through. So I did and um, you, know, you put in your Bible Gateway app, um, heart gets 725. Um, Tim, you want to put that up? So I actually put it on a little thing there. <laughs> um, so you can see, yeah, heart is almost, you know, just about half, isn't it? <laughs> but then if you, call, if you call heart and soul, well, you're more than halfway there. Um, mind um, had uh, how many? Uh, 163 for mind. Thoughts 40. Body 277. Strength 232. So it's kind of really thinking that yeah, that our hearts are really, really important in the in the scriptures and really important to God. Um, I saw that in the Old Testament. Um, it was most frequently used in Psalms and Proverbs, so that wouldn't surprise you. But what did surprise me is how often heart was referred to in the law. So that's really interesting. And, um, you know, uh, uh, Aaron's special breastplate, the one where they had to make important decisions with the Urim and Thurim, whatever it is, um, well, that was over his heart. So I thought in decision-making, you know, right there, the heart is really important. Um, Another interesting thing that I found, uh, in the New Testament, um, Romans is one of the books with, that had many references to the heart. And there were f- um, 14 references to heart and 14 references to mind. 
Um, so I thought that was really interesting. That kind of like, that, that sounds right, doesn't it? The Book of Romans, so, so gorgeous and balanced. Okay. Um, the place, the heart is the place where obedience or disobedience springs. So you could probably put the next slide up too. Yeah. Um, it's the place of our deepest motives and our most precious loves, our truest inner self, the core of our being, our affections, anxieties, desires, our courage, compassion, belief and doubt all come from there. And our conscience, um, the sense of right and wrong, like we heard about in Romans 2.15, that the law is written on everyone's hearts. Repentance happens in the heart and faith purifies the heart through the work of the Holy Spirit. Our hearts have the capacity to receive his love and his spirit fills our heart. And um, King David was the kind of the first reference of heart and spirit being um, spoken of similarly together. So yeah, so that's kind of like a big picture thing and if you ever wanted to do a study that would be worth doing but I'm not going to do that today. I'm just going to give you my little picture and tell you something that happened to me um, when I was much younger, <laughs> when I was 20. I went, um, I don't come from a, a, a church home. I, um, I, I was brought along to church by, uh, by a friend and heard the gospel and, um, and just, just felt the draw of, of God and, um, and just felt Jesus is real and I you know, jumped in and became a believer. Um, but at my first Easter camp... Um, that was why a lot of young, you know, young adults Easter camps. If you ever remember being on those or being, <laughs> um, it was pretty exciting. Everyone was pumped and excited, and um, there was a lot of enthusiasm in the air. Um, but but it kind of missed me because um, I um, I was sharing with a uh, at, you know a house with a with a friend. And, um, and I always thought of myself as a pretty nice person, um, but I actually was quite mean to her and I, I, I behaved in ways that were really quite not so great. So she was at the camp too, so I wasn't feeling very good. I was feeling quite lousy and I didn't really want to be a part of any of, the, any of the worship or the great things that were going on at the camp. Um, anyway, it was the evening time for corporate worship and everyone seemed to be getting into it except me. Um, people were gathered at the front and their hands were raised and they were worshipping the heart it's out. And we kind of see that on Sunday nights at our church too. Um, but I made a decision then that I think was a really good one. Um, and I, I kind of noticed I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I decided that I'd, um, I wouldn't stand away from what was going on because I really didn't, I didn't know what I wanted, but I, what I did know is I didn't want to be away from Jesus, even though I felt lousy. So I, I just moved myself closer to the front. And like while I was preparing and thinking about this, I realised I still do that because I like to sit at the front. And it's like, it's a symbolic thing for me. I know I could sit with my friends and I know Jesus is there at the back as much as he is at the front. But there's something in it symbolically for me is I feel like I actually want to... Say to you, Lord, I want to sit by you, I want to be near you. So I did that thing that day. I went, down the, I went towards the front and everything was happening around me and I wasn't a part of it. Um, but I just thought, well, I'm here now, I may as well make an effort. <laughs> so I started to sing. And, um, and when I started to sing, nobody, nobody touched me, uh, nobody prayed for me. 
I feel I just fell on the floor. I fell down. Nobody caught me. <laughs> but, but I just was aware of myself laying on the floor. Um, and then I just saw a vision. And I know that these things don't happen very often. I didn't know that then because um, I didn't know very much. But these, it's quite rare. But anyway, I saw his, Jesus' hand come in and, um, and pull something out of my chest. And, um, and he held it there. And I was looking at it. And it was really small and it was really hard and sticky. Um, and it reminded me of a tamarind seed. If you've ever had a tamarind seed, um, I come from Darwin, we had tamarind seeds. So that's, that's, the pulp is sticky and, and I can remember as a kid picking one and, and sucking it and it was really revolting because it's sharp and sweet and sour and blah. Um, and so I spat it out. And that's what, that's, that's what that reminded me of. I spat out tamarind seed. It was sticky, it was dark, it was revolting. And I just looked at it and then I realised, oh, that's my heart. He's got my heart. That's what it looks like. Um, and it was just like a real shock to me. I can just feel the shock now. <laughs> um, and, and then I thought um, a panic kind of came over me. I said, what is he doing with it? Why doesn't he just throw it away? It's disgusting. Throw that disgusting thing away. And there was no words that came in. There was, I didn't hear anything. But he drew my attention to his hands and that he was holding that disgusting little tamarind seed heart in his hands and he wasn't going to throw it away. And I knew right that day that I know that's just, that's just burned in me now that, um, you know, I get you and I've got you. I've got you. Um, so I don't know, um, it was good for me to remember when I'm feeling like what's happening to my heart over these past 40 years, to look back and remember, he hasn't changed, he's still got my heart. Whatever it is, hopefully it's not so disgustingly tamarind seedy now, but, um, but he's got it in his hands. Yeah, so... I'll just say, I want to sh you know, share that with you because um, I think that's the same for all of us, you know. He has all of our, our, our hearts in his hand. All right. So um, I'm going to read the story of, um, you know, the one that um, Kath just read from the Gospel of John. Um, this is a story that I'm sure that you'll know. I just, I better get a drink of water. Hang on a second. Yeah. Yeah, Lord, this is your word. Um, and... Yeah, we have. Um, we we need the ears to hear what you're having to say to us, so that when we when we read, we're really listening to you and paying attention to the things that you want to tell us. So, um, yeah, Lord, uh, speak to our hearts today um, through your word. All right, I'm just going to read, um, and I've highlighted some bits in it, but you know, I didn't really mean to, but because because I, you know, I can't do too many slides, I just thought I'd do one. We're going to leave that up there because we're going to be chatting through this passage um, as we go. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered round him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand up before the group and said to Jesus, 
Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, or in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Yeah, they thought they kind of got him cornered because if he had a said, stone her, well only the Romans could do the executing, so he would have been in trouble with the Romans. And if they had a said, don't stone her, then he would have been in trouble with the people who would have said, oh, you don't really care about God's law. So they thought they had him cornered. Anyway, um, but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let anyone who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left and the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Um, yeah, I bolded some of the words because I wanted to look closer at the significance of the body language that's going on. Um, I know that lots of people have heard sermons of this before, but I just want to look at it a little tiny bit differently. So um, we'll just sort of like move our way through it. So Jesus did some things. He bent down, he looked away, he drew in the dirt at certain times, he straightened up and he spoke words that revealed what was in hearts. But everything he did was deliberate. There was, you know, some people say, oh, he was drawing on the ground because he was thinking of something to say. Mm-mm. <laughs> No, I don't think that was the case. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to start with the woman. So, um, she was brought in and made to stand in front of everyone. And we know that in in that time, the men and the women had their courts differently. So, there was no way there was another woman in that, that area. They were all men. All men. So she was the only white woman in the courtyard and her sin was announced for all the men to hear. But I just love what Jesus does here and, um, and it's really not insignificant. It's really important. It shows how pure our Jesus is. It shows why, why women love him, I tell you. That's why we love him. Because he doesn't join with the gaze of men. He doesn't join their gaze. He's not staring at her, not even for a moment. He's looking away. He's looking away. You know, I, I just when I first saw that, that just touched my heart so much, and I know it touched hers too. Um, if, if probably men, you don't get it, but um, I tell you, every twelve-year-old girl gets it. Every twelve-year-old girl knows what their gaze of men is, and he didn't join that. You know, that was just so kind, so respectful. Um, he didn't also join in, um, in that blame game, you know, that it's the woman's fault. Because, yeah, we do know the man wasn't there, you know. But, you know, Jesus didn't even join in that. He didn't join in the blame game that's been going on since Adam and Eve. I just think um, when, I, when I read the significance of all that Jesus did then, 
didn't join in the gaze, didn't stand up over her, stooped down and whatever he was writing in the dirt, we don't really know. But for me, you know, that he didn't join that gaze and he didn't join in the blame, says, Glory, you're beautiful, Jesus. You're so beautiful. And I don't think there's any surprise. You know, you read the stories about those ladies who came and um, didn't care what was going on. The lady who barged in cried and wiped his, you know, cried on his feet and poured the ointment over. And the other lady who did it before he was um, crucified and taken away. Um, you know, they, they're not afraid. They're not ashamed. <laughs> you, know, they, you know, he touched their hearts. He touched their woman's heart. And I just, I just love that. Those stories really sing to me. Yeah, no wonder we love you, Jesus. No wonder there's so many women in your church, Jesus. <laughs> um, so that, there was the moment when he held that unnamed woman's heart in his hand. And um, it's towards the end. When everyone else had gone, and it's in verse 10 there, it says, Jesus straightened up. He straightened up. He stood up. He called her to account too, you know. So he wasn't saying, you know, that, um, that, that um, he was condoning or excusing her sin, but he stood and he, he also called her to account. And he asked her, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. And those beautiful words, neither do I condemn you. But these, these are even more glorious words is what he says next. He declares over her, go now and sin no more. Oh, that, that mine says differently. I says, my translation says, go your way, sin no more. So he gave a declaration of release and a command. And that feels, that's, that's, a, hope, that's a hopeful future. That's a real life now, isn't it? And I know the same Jesus is here and now and um, kind of think we kind of complicate things, but I, I, I love it. Those words that Jesus declared over her, go now and leave your life of sin. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that. So um, I just want to also want to look at the, the scribes and the Pharisees in this story. And um, the same thing, the same moments when Jesus bent down, drew in the dirt and stood up and spoke and what that meant for them. So um, the part where he's... Um, the second part, again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. I actually probably need to go back a bit. Maybe we need to read that through again. All right, so they made her stand before the group and said, Jesus said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, um, he commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? Um, and we know that they were using that question as a trap in order to have uh, a basis for accusing him. Um, but then Jesus bending down and writing on the ground in his finger was something very, very significant, I think. And people were thinking about what he might have been writing. Um, I've, I've heard some, you know, some preaching on, on this topic before and some people had speculated that the men were probably 
um, you know, and perhaps he was writing um, down what their sins were, you know. Have you heard that? They were writing that what, what they were sinning and what they were doing. But I actually don't believe that. I don't think that's his way. I really don't. It's kind of like that is our way. We're, we like that. You know, we like to have a gotcha moment when someone's done the wrong thing, don't we? That's what, that's what our heart loves. When someone's done the wrong thing and they've been a, a hypocrite, oh, we love it, gotcha. But that's not him. That's not Jesus. He's not a gotcha. No way. Um, somebody uh, speculated that perhaps the, the men there were probably all guilty of adultery and Jesus is writing the names of their partners in sin. <laughs> did hear that. <laughs> I don't think that's true either. You know... <laughs> He declined to humiliate the woman that was in front of him, so he wasn't going to humiliate the girls that are out in the room. So that isn't true either. Um, you know, condemnation and shame is just not his way. And, you know, Romans 8 saying that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus because in, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. It's not in him. Um, I think, like, condemnation is just... That's what the devil does, you know. Condemnation is like this, yip, yip, yippity, yip, yip, yip. It's condemnation. It's just yip, yip, yip. But judgment is something else. Judgment is something much more scary. It's much more serious. And judgment belongs only to a holy God. That is far more fearsome. And I just think those fellows in the room just... They were just, they just didn't know what they were doing, my goodness. You know, they were nasty pieces of work, they really were. You know, consumed by envy, because Jesus would, people would rather listen to Jesus than to them. But they trashed the word of God. They, they disrespected it in the very thing that they were doing. They were supposed to be upholders of the law, but they showed complete disregard and complete hatred of the law by what they did there. They were arrogant. They, they used a vulnerable woman for their purposes and they thought they had Jesus cornered. But it's never enough to know the letter of the law. You have to understand the spirit of the law as well. So when Jesus said those lovely words, let any of you, let, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her, those words really cut to their hearts really cut to their hearts. But you know what? He looked down again. Do you notice that again? He stooped down and wrote on the ground again. And I think lucky for them, lucky their lucky day he did that, their lucky, lucky day. Because I can just imagine, you know, Revelation says three times that his eyes are a blazing fire. His eyes are a blazing fire. And when we sang in, in Revelation, he's coming to judge the world. And look at what they're doing. Look at what, those, look at what they're doing. Do you think he, he was unaffected by what their hearts were showing him that time? No. You know, there was a time, and he, and he would remember, <laughs> he was there, <laughs> um, when he actually, when God said he regretted making man. He regretted making man. He regretted making us one time. Because of the wickedness of our hearts. Our hearts were wicked all the time. So the wickedness of our hearts does not have a no effect on God. So I think he was actually personally affected. So 
stooping down and riding on the ground was probably a good way <laughs> of not looking at them. Don't look at them. I think he showed mercy to them by doing that. I think his hearts were in their hands at that moment and I didn't see him throwing their hearts away either. He withheld, their ju- he withheld judgment. He gave them time to do what was right. By stooping down, riding on the ground, he gave them time to do what was right, to think, to examine your heart and know, what is it? And there, you are, there they are in the presence of a holy God. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they did. They dropped the stones and walked away. And, you know, probably there could have been somebody who, people who were really hard-hearted and dropped the stones because they could see they, their plan didn't work and, and walked away. Um, but, you know, they dropped them one by one. So that tells me that was an, when they heard it, you see, those who heard began to go away one at a time. So if they did it one by one, it's just like that was a personal encounter with your heart, your heart-to-heart with God. That's something that you understood now of where you stand. They dropped their stones and walked away. Hmm. So I don't know um, what happened to them or the woman next <laughs> um, or what changes to their hearts that um, that, that encounter made with, with them. But I do know, and I love these words of Jesus. Jesus, and I read this recently in Matthew eleven twenty nine. Jesus said, "Learn from me, for I'm humble, for I am gentle and humble in heart." So there, there's him right there. Learn from me. We kind of look at that thing. We think it's it's about our work when we say, "Take my yoke upon you on me," and we kind of think it's about stuff that we carry. Um, and I think we are because we're focused on ourselves, aren't we? Really, and the things that are hard for us. Um, but um, I think the most important thing in this little bit here is learning from him, because he's gentle and humble in heart. You know, and there, that's the rest. That that's where the rest is. Yep. Yeah, so I I kind of I kind of think that. Um, and I'm, I don't know, but, you know, those, those fellows who came in with the stones and then, then left, how can you, I reckon those, I think we'll probably meet some of those fellows one day and have a little chat with them about the day you met Jesus and he, <laughs> and he showed you your little tamarind heart <laughs> and what you did. Yeah, so, yeah. But anyway, going back to where, where my story started, um, from my little thing, the thing that I saw that Jesus showed me, um, that really, I'm, I'm, from that day, I really wasn't the same. And, um, you know, my husband would probably tell you that, I'm not, you know, that little tamarind heart's still pretty bad. <laughs> but, because um, um, the people who live with you will tell you the truth, won't they? <laughs> um, but I do know there's some things that changed from that day. And one of the things that changed that I'll never, they will never, yeah, it's kind of like I'll never go back, is, um, is the way that I pray. 
Because I never go thinking that I'm coming to God, that I'm any terrificness. Or um, I I, I've seen that heart. I know he knows. Uh, there's no fooling him. And yet he has me anyway. I'm allowed to be in his presence anyway. I'm welcome and accepted in any, in any case. And that kind of makes me, that kind of makes me pray differently. Because I don't pray thinking I've got all the stuff, I've got the goods. I pray saying, knowing that he's got the goods. And that does something completely different. So you can be a little bit more cheeky. I'm telling you, you can be more cheeky <laughs> when you know that it's actually he is hearing us. And we're all right. <laughs> we're, we're good. We're good as far as he's concerned. So um, that's kind of all I've got to say, really. <laughs> um, that's it. <laughs> I was worried that I was going to go on and on, didn't I, Tim? <laughs> he was going to give me the... <laughs> oh, perhaps I did go on and on. Um, yeah, but maybe it's a time... I don't know quite how to finish, but if you... You know, as we, as we sing, if you think, um, maybe ask Jesus to show you, show you how he sees your heart. Maybe how he, how he has you, to show you something about your heart. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.